seeking very diligently to make sure that the recordings are done because there are people like Mrs. Minto who appreciate receiving the messages even though they can't be in the building. And there are a lot, there are probably more people that listen through the online venues, whether it be Facebook or sermonaudio.com, than we have in the building right now. We have many, many people who are listening all over the world, actually. But the, um, there's a delay in getting the message from the audio to the computer and from the computer to the online platform. That can be changed, and Lord willing, if you all will pray for it, we'll get that to happen, where it'll just automatically upload while we're recording it. <clears throat> so, anyway, sign, sign, everywhere a sign, breaking out the, or blocking out the scenery, breaking my mind, do this, don't do that, can't you read the sign? Those were the lyrics that were written 50 years ago. Signs are all a part of our lives. They've been a part of our, all of our lives, all of our lives, from all of us, always. The one we call Jesus instructed his followers to pay attention to the signs. And he instructed his earliest followers about those signs, what they would be. And we have those signs recorded in this book that we call the Bible, the number one bestseller of all time, by the way. He instructed his followers to pay attention to the signs because it matters to us. It matters to us. We must be prepared. And he tells us what it's going to look like, what we're preparing for and against. And this message, as I said earlier, is for today just as it has been for all time. And I want us to read from Revelation chapter 13, but before we go there, I want us to pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, please help us to explore your word today. It is the road map for our lives. It's your guide for us. Open our eyes to see clearly, Father. We surrender to you and you alone. Guide us with your word, Lord. Clear our vision. Open our eyes. Remove deception, Lord. Turn us to yourself by the cross of Christ. Thank you for cleansing us for iniquity. Thank you for the sacrifice of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for making the way possible for us to have everlasting life. Help me to speak clearly and concisely as I yield to you, Father, and bless those who are within the sound of my voice, I pray. Give us wisdom from above to override any earthly, sensual, or demonic teachings. And Father, I ask that you would pour your Spirit upon this congregation and all who will be within the sound of my voice. In Christ's name I pray, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. It's Revelation chapter 13. We're going to begin at verse 1. <clears throat> And this is the revelation of Christ given to John as he was in prison on the island of Patmos. And chapter 13 gives us some details that are important to us, I believe, right now. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns and on his head's a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, and his feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, 
the dragon being Satan, those crowns and all look like at least what many interpreted to be as kingdoms or nations. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. Now remember, there's no authority except from God. God allows this to happen. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And the implication there is they're saying, He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's all-all. Even God can't make war with the beast. That's what's implied there. And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority. Now, notice how that word authority keeps coming up. He's given this authority. It's not his authority. All authority belongs to God. All authority comes from God. He was given authority to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. Notice that there are saints present. And not only that, but they're overcome. He wars with the saints and he wins. Short term, but he wins. And authority was given to him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. Notice authority again. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of the life, the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with a sword must be killed with a sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And we're, Lord willing, going to look at that next week. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause many as who would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark of the name or, excuse me, or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Six, six. score and six. Father, we ask that you would guide us Open our hearts. Let us hear from your word today, Lord, as we explore a piece of it. In Christ's name and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Those things that we just read are going to take place during a time of tribulation that it is written 
There will never have been tribulation as bad as this tribulation, nor shall there ever be tribulation that is worse. This is going to be that great tribulation that is spoken of in Scripture. They take place during the tribulation of those days. And it's written in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 29 that our Lord, the one we claim to follow, said this, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then as we read on in verse 30, we hear this. This is our Lord speaking. He said, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And that's something to rejoice about. But you see, this tribulation takes place in advance of His coming by His own testimony. And this is difficult for us because we have so many different eschatologies out there. That's the study of the end times. We have so many different eschatologies out there. We have so many different schools of thought about how this is going to come into place. And some of them ignore this very passage where our Lord says, He's coming after that tribulation. The beasts arise during that time of tribulation, and according to the one we call Jesus, he will return after the tribulation of those days. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. There's many things that have to come to pass. But here's what we know. The time is near. We're starting to see the signs that are preparing people to be deceived into worshiping that one who comes as Christ. He will be antichrist. In Revelation 13, 12, we see the second beast exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and all those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Causes, makes, forces, insists, demands, requires. All of that is in that one word, causes. He will cause it to happen. This evil personality will be the author. He will be the authority that promotes the worship of the first beast. And there will be those who say, we have to obey the authorities. They'll tell you, you must. You must do what he says. Because after all, he has the authority. But remember, there's no authority except from God. And anyone who opposes God or tries to get you to oppose God is not to be obeyed. It doesn't matter what position they hold. It doesn't matter what their title is. They are not to be obeyed when they go against Almighty God. Is someone tries to force you to do something that God says not to do, or someone tries to force you to do something or not do something that God says to do, you are not to obey them. And we'll see if this shows up on Facebook. I'm not kidding, folks. This is serious. How will this beast cause everyone to worship the other one? It's written there. 
Verse 14, he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted Granted, notice that word, granted. It's not inherent authority that he has. The authority's been granted to him to do these signs and these wonders. He's given this power. And he does these things in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. It is written that this evil political leader will perform great signs You look in verse 13, so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. We haven't seen that yet. That hasn't taken place. This sign has not come to pass. And there are those who argue that the system that we live in is the beast. It's a beast system. They argue that because of that, we're already there. But I say it's written that there's going to be this one who causes fire to come down out of heaven in the sight of men. That's a sign of Christ's soon return. He'll lead people to roam from God's safety and truth. This is what's written. He's going to deceive people into leaving the safety and truth of God. Obedience to God's already being discarded. It's already being discarded by church folk, for that matter. They follow demonic doctrines away from God's Word. His Word warns about that. Doctrines of demons. These are signs of Christ's return. And sadly, people, many, have become lovers of their own selves. Self-indulgence and pleasure and entertainment rank high outside and inside of the church. That's unfortunate, but it is written. It is written. And those who are the lovers of themselves, self-indulgence, pleasure, and entertainment, they have a form of godliness, but they deny His true power to transform sinful lives into righteous lives. written in Revelation 13, 15, in the first part of it, he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and that image of the first beast is going to receive breath from the second beast. And as I thought about that, who is the giver of life? Almighty God. Almighty God is the one who breathed life into the clay that became the one we know as Adam, Adam, man. And here, the Antichrist is going to breathe life. It's not going to be God. It's not going to be God's life. It's going to be satanic life. And that beast will either appear to be alive or it will actually be alive. And you know, modern technology can produce living images, or what appear to be living images. Anything can be made to look alive. And with the power of television and recording equipment, anything can be made to look like anything. We've all been deceived in many ways when we, we pay attention to these images that are portrayed on screens that are not actually living images. They're not alive. There's nothing but some digital recordings now. 
but they appear to be real. We even take fruits and vegetables, and we call them veggie tales for children in a Christian sense, but it's all imagination. It's all false. It's all falsehood. Everything that we see in any kind of recorded media, when it comes to visually, it's all falsehood. It's not real. But it leads us into believing that it's real. And it tricks our minds into thinking that somehow what we're viewing is actually in front of us. And with the new high-definition televisions, guess what, folks? You are immersed in it. It bypasses your capacity to even know God. And this is scientific fact. It's not my uh, opinion. In fact, it's been known for a very long time that that happens, even with the older televisions. I read an article in the 1970s dating myself. It was in a uh, Mother Earth News, and it talked about, it was a very long article. You wouldn't find an article like this in a magazine anymore. It was pages long, seven pages, full-size magazine. I probably still have it somewhere. It talked about how television overrides our ability to know God, and that struck me. Because up until that time, I didn't realize that. I knew there was a problem with television, but I didn't understand what it was. But now I do. And this image of the beast is going to come to life for everyone. And what other way exists currently for that to happen? Television. Believers are repeatedly warned about being deceived. But why? Why are we warned so much? Why is the warning so great against being deceived? False prophets, false Christs, false anointed ones, false teachers, false preachers, false apostles. The deceived do not know that they are deceived until it's too late. That's why we're warned. Whenever someone's deceived, the art of deception is such that the one being deceived is not aware of it. Otherwise, they would not be deceived. It can't happen. If you know that it's happening, it cannot happen. You cannot be deceived knowingly. It's not deception then. Listen to what's written in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 13. The Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. She didn't know that she had been deceived until after the fact. Because the consequences of that deception became manifest in her life. And in Revelation 12, 9, it's written, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan. Everybody say it with me who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. He deceives the whole world. We're all under some manner of deception, and that is why I pray, God, please break the deception. Clean us of deception. We have all been raised in this beast system. We have all been raised in this world, and we're not to be of it. And we need to have that deception broken in order for us to be free from it. 
In 2 Thessalonians, it's written, Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And what's the temple today? Everybody who's been here for any length of time knows because I've preached on it repeatedly. God's people are the temple. And so this one that he's talking about, the son of perdition, is going to rise up within God's temple, which is on the earth today. Now, there may come a physical temple, and he may try to rule in that temple also. But right now, we are the temple people. The body of Christ, the living, breathing body of Christ on earth is the temple of Almighty God, according to His Word, not according to my opinion, according to God's Word. He opposes and exalts Himself above all that's called God or that is worshipped. The image of the beast speaking will be a great deception indeed. He'll motivate folk to accept his mark. After all, it's just, it's just, it's just. How many times do you hear that lately in your life? It's just, but it's just. Why do you oppose that? It's just. And that's how it'll be pushed. It'll be just. And if you don't have it, after all, you won't be able to travel. If you don't have it, you won't be able to enter this place or that place. If you don't have it, you won't be able to buy or sell anything. Thus it is written. Those who refuse his everlasting mark will be condemned to death. That's what is written. And this animated image will cause as many as would not worship the beast to be killed. He will cause it. He'll make it happen. And so we have to be prepared. And I think, by God's grace, we are being prepared. I think some of the things that we see right now are preparing us for that time. Should the Lord tarry and we be here, we need to be strengthened. How do you strengthen anything? Say so you want to strengthen your grip. You grip things, and you keep gripping them, and you keep gripping them, and you keep gripping them until your grip gets strong. And unless and until God's people are willing to practice saying no to it's just, whatever it's just is, at any particular moment in time that restricts your travel or restricts your buying and selling or restricts anything in your life unless and until you are willing to say no now, you will not be prepared to say no then. I'm certain of that. God has made that very heavy on my heart all through this past 14 or 15 months, whatever it's been. God has shown me that unless we are willing to say no now. We are not going to be prepared to say no then. 
Remember, it's written, you will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. We have heard, I don't know if you all have, some of you have if you've been here, we have heard people who have said they have been betrayed by their family members. You're not allowed to see your grandkids. You're not allowed to see your children. You're not allowed to see your, grand, your parents or your grandparents. Man's enemies will be those of his own household. That's what our Lord said. And he was repeating what's written in Micah. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse 22, we hear this, and you will be hated. You will be, will be hated for all, by all, for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. You'll be hated. How many times do you hear that when you say, hey, why don't you bring somebody in and tell them they're going to be hated whenever they come to Jesus? Not a selling point for Christianity, is it? It's not something we go out and brag about, right? We're not trying to invite people into being hated, right? I mean, after all, you're supposed to have your best life now. You're supposed to enjoy this world. At least that's what some say. And I know I beat on that one, folks, but it's the one that stands out the strongest to me. And I've watched preachers run up and down their altars on dollar bills and saying, money, 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 God wants you to be rich. I've seen those videos, okay? And I've heard the preachers who say, God wants you to have your best life now. <laughs> you know, it's written in Luke chapter 21. In verse 12, but before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. Why isn't that being preached today? It's not a feel-good message, but it's the truth. It's the truth of Almighty God's Word, our Lord and Savior, the one we claim to follow. He's the one that said it. And he said to tell everybody, he said, when you go out into all the world, tell them everything I taught you. But we're skipping some things, aren't we? Because it doesn't feel good. He said, all these are the beginning of sorrows. That's what's written in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 8 through 10. And this was after he said, this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and you're going to see this, and you're going to see that. And we covered this a couple of weeks ago. Now, these are the things you're going to see, and these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. How many of you have had to face somebody who's been offended at you recently? Yeah. Lots of us. And do you think that offense is going to become less or more? If we follow the Word of God, it's going to get to be, it's going to increase, and it's going to increase, and it's going to increase, and people are going to be offended just at the fact that you are a follower of the one we call Jesus. It's coming. He said, it's written in John chapter 15, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. He was speaking to his closest disciples at that time, and that comes right down to us because everything that he granted to them also comes to us. 
We won't get into all that. But that's the truth of God's word. And if you continue to read there in the 15th chapter of John's gospel record, you hear this. Remember the word that I said to you. This is our Lord speaking. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Now, anybody who says that we're not going to endure persecution is calling Christ himself a liar. A liar. You can ask anybody anywhere in this world that's under persecution whether or not what he said is true. Just because it hasn't come to this land in a great manner yet doesn't mean that it isn't going to. We've all lived in relative safety. This has been, until recent years, a Christian nation. They kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake. It's not because of you, it's because of him. Because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. The number one bestseller of all time says that. That's what he said. They don't love him, they hate the father also. In John chapter 16, we hear this. These things I have spoken to you that you should not be made to stumble. He taught us how not to be deceived. They will put you out of the synagogues, and that was a very important thing then because that was the center of life for the people in that region at that time. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. And you know there are people on the planet right now who, when they kill somebody who follows Christ, believes they're doing God a service. Do you know that? They're there. And these things they will do to you because they have not known the Father nor me. It's going to happen to you not because of you. Don't take it personal. It's not about you. It's about him. It's all about him. Christ was arrested, he was persecuted, he was tortured, he was beaten, he was killed, he was buried. And they thought that was the end of it, but no, he arose. And that's where our hope lies, folks, in his resurrection. And this is why we celebrate it, this is why we do what we do, this is why we worship Almighty God. But he said his followers would endure the same thing. He said, you will be. This is going to happen. Now, for so long in this country, we've escaped that. We haven't had to deal with it. But we've looked just recently at our northern neighbors, just a couple hundred miles from here or so, in that nation of Canada, with being persecuted. The churches are being closed, locked up, fenced off, preachers arrested. It's just a matter of time, folks. It's literally just a matter of time. He said you'll see these things happening, and we're beginning to see them. It doesn't matter what the pretense is behind it. The reality is they are anti-Christ from the go. These things will happen all over the world, even in this land. It's written in Luke chapter 21 and verse 22, For these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. You see, because there's nothing written that won't be fulfilled, 
God's Word is true. If any part of it isn't true, then it's not true. It's a false book. But what we know is that the prophecies are fulfilled, and they're being fulfilled. In Revelation 13, 16, we learn where the greatest deception is revealed. The enemy of souls, disguised as a human, deceives mankind. He is anti-Christ, and yet he poses as the Savior. Take the mark. And everything will be okay. Just do this and do it for your family. Do it for your friends. Do it for your neighbors. Do it for everybody else so that the trouble can go away. And you're going to come under a lot of pressure, folks. The pressure that's been put on you recently, those of you who have stood and said no, is nothing in comparison to what's going to come on you. causes both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Without that mark, you will not go to the gasoline station and purchase gasoline or whatever fuel you use, you will not purchase electricity for your home or your vehicle if you happen to have an electric vehicle. You will not purchase natural gas or propane to run any equipment that you might have or your furnace at your house. You will not buy or sell anything. And the push to get everything digitalized, to get everything online, you don't go to the store anymore. You just go to the computer, right? Wait till that's shut down. There will be no big sites to purchase things from. There will be none. There will be no buying or selling of any kind. Now, for a time, there may be some bartering. You have tomatoes, I have potatoes, we swap, right? It's a good human transaction. But somehow, all of that is going to stop. And it may be because there won't be any seeds, or it may be because the soil's been so polluted that you can't grow your own food. I don't know. But what I do know is this. You will not, without that mark, you will not buy or sell anything. There will be no commerce. There will be nothing happening except what whomever it is says can happen. You know, I walked in a store the other day, and it had a sign. It said, sign, sign, everywhere the sign, you know. Fully vaccinated people can shop here without a mask. And I thought to myself, how are they going to know? I actually read it in the newspaper where the newspaper editor said, how are they going to know? We need some way to prove that everybody's vaccinated. I don't know what that's going to be. But my guess is there's coming a mark. Oh, wait, that's not a guess. That's right. It's written. There's coming a mark that without which you will do nothing. And if you're not strengthened to say no now, 
you won't say no then. And that's the great deception. He's going to cause it to happen. He's going to make it happen. There's not going to be any escape. The coming of the lawless ones according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because... They did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, pay attention, folks, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. They didn't love the truth, so God says, okay, you don't love the truth, you have it your way. Here's some deception for you. And you're going to believe it because you didn't love the truth. This is what his word says. He's going to send strong delusion that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You see, God transforms lives, according to His Word, by Christ. We can, in fact, be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's what His Word says, anyway. And in Revelation 14, it's written, The smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. They have no rest, day or night, who worship the beast in his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. Whoever means anybody, and they will not rest day or night, forever and ever and ever, because the smoke of their torment arises forever and ever. And you know there are those within the Christian faith today who deny that there is such a place as hell, that they deny that there is such a thing called torment, that there is such uh, a hell, a place of torment that lasts forever. They claim that you die, and that's it. It's over. You're annihilated. But that's not what our Lord said. That's not what His Word says. His Word makes it clear. There is a place of everlasting torment, and this is a place that I want nobody to go to. And I've got to preach a message like this. You must know that this place exists, and that if you take this mark, that's where you end up. And I don't want that for anyone. That's why I wrote the book, There's No Authority Except from God. And God, by His providence, is going to have it published. These are graphic, disturbing words that depict this everlasting punishment, this torment that's going to ascend forever and ever. But we can't deny it because to do so is to call John and Christ liars. In the 16th chapter of Revelation, we hear John describe the seven bowls of God's wrath that angels will pour upon the earth. And this is where some eschatology comes into play, okay? Some people say, well, that's the point when God takes away his church. And it could very well be. It's not clear. He doesn't say that in his word. But what it does say is that the angels will pour God's wrath upon the earth. So the first went... The first angel went and poured out his bowl upon the earth, and a foul and loathsome sore came upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. See, this is where the wrath of God is poured. It's poured upon those who received the mark. And it could be that we're all gone by then, either by the fact that we're killed because we won't take the mark, or the Lord takes us away. But those suffering, those suffering are those who received the mark. 
And that suffering for those who accept the mark will start when the wrath of God starts to pour upon the earth. Nobody who receives his mark will escape. So to save yourself for a moment, it may be three and a half years, right? I mean, that's what 42 months is. You might get three and a half years of respite. But after that, when God pours his wrath upon this earth, you who have taken that mark will begin to suffer. And that suffering on this side of eternity only shows you that it's going to get worse on the other side. Those who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image will suffer. That's what his word says. Those who marked by Satan will suffer the wrath of Almighty God, and those who refuse the mark will not. You who do not accept the mark will not suffer under the wrath of God. That is clear right there. It was granted to him, it's written in Revelation 13, 7, to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And it's written in Revelation 20 and verse 4, I saw thrones and they sat on them and judgment was committed to them. And I saw the souls of those who had beheaded, they had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. You see, there is a promise there. There's actually two. Those who refuse to take the mark will be beheaded. It's a quick way. Not a lot of suffering involved. It's the mercy of God. And those who refuse to take the mark will reign with Christ for a thousand years. We're not going to get into that. We don't have much time. So I'm going to move on. But at some point in the future, perhaps we'll look at that. The end of the wicked, despotic leaders will be punishment. That's what's written. The beast was captured with him, the false prophet who worked signs in his presence and which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped his image. And these two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. They will be punished. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. And that's where we'll end on that passage. We heard the beloved disciple John relate things that were revealed to him by Christ. And we're beginning to see the unfolding of the mark that he foretold. We are seeing it, folks. And I hope and I pray to Almighty God that somehow this message has helped you to comprehend what we're seeing. Because that is what it is. We're seeing the prompting. The, it's like the, 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 when you've got a pump for water. You've got to sometimes prime the pump. You've got to throw a little bit in there so it'll grab it and start the pump. Well, that's what's happening with the population of the world. The pump is being primed. We are all being prepared to come under that great deception so that we accept that mark, hand or forehead. And as I sometimes say, there will be those who lined up and say, I want both. I want to be safe. No, this message isn't for the faint of heart. The deception's like boiling frogs. You know, you can't put a frog into boiling water, it jumps out. If you put it in cold water and turn up the heat, it just gradually warms up and it doesn't notice. And that's what's been happening in the world. The deception is like that. It's just a slow little bit. It's just a tiny bit. 
I heard Dr. James Dobson one time talk about his children who said they wanted to go to see a movie, and I'll paraphrase it. He said that uh, he told them if they all had one of these brownies, they could go. He said, because they told him, oh, there's just a little bit of swearing in there, Dad. So he baked some brownies, and before they were going to go to the theater, he said, okay, everybody have a brownie, and they're ready to jump in. But before you take one, i got to tell you, I took some of the cat's litter, and I cooked it in there. Oh, Dad! He said, just a little bit. Just a little bit. See, and that's the point. It's just a little bit of deception. It's just a little bit of deception. Just a little bit of deception. And a little bit builds on a little bit and builds on a little bit and builds on a little bit. We are accepting manure. We need to stop. The body of Christ needs to stop. We may not accept the manure of the world and expect somehow that we're going to escape whenever the time comes. This message is not for those who are ensnared in the world's ways. This is not, because false teachers and false apostles and false shepherds and false, false, false pastors and, and whatever, prophets, have twisted the meaning of God's Word for many years, and they've turned the people's hearts away from our living God to dead men's teachings. How many times I've been in a service and I hear of so-and-so who founded this, whatever, demonic nation that they're serving under, they've turned people away from God. And as the day of the Lord approaches, you, all of you, must be aware. Those who proclaim the false doctrines are not preparing the people that sit under them. They're not preparing them to accept what's happening. They just say, I'm going to sit on my hands. I don't have to do anything. Jesus is coming. He's going to take me away. But as those terrible events unfold, many are going to fall away. The Scripture tells us that. He's not coming until that great falling uh, falling away takes place. There's many going to lose their faith. They're going to succumb to that everlasting mark to save their earthly bodies, but they're going to damn their eternal souls. Others might not abandon faith, but they'll justify Satan's mark. I've heard people say it myself. Oh, I can take the mark because after all, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. That's right. You you owe your allegiance. Well, God loves us. He doesn't want any harm to come to His children. That's right. But He says if you take that mark, you are going to be damned. That's what He says. That's not my word. It's not my belief. It's not my opinion. It's His word. He says it. I've got to go with what He says. He forgave all our sins. He cast them as far as the east is from the west. And that's a true statement. But you see, taking the mark is unforgivable. His word makes that clear. Here is the patience of the saints. It's written in Revelation 14, 12. Here are those who keep, keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Here. That's the test. The Lord is my light and my salvation. It's written in Psalm 27 in verse 1. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Remember that passage. When you face a difficult decision, whenever somebody says, you have to, you must. As I wrap this up, I pray that all who hear this message will be able to recognize that we are moving into those days that are foretold. No, we're not at the end of the last days. That's obvious. There's time yet. 
but you must be prepared for the troubles that are coming. And I know this isn't a feel-good message. You're not going to walk out of here on a cloud saying, wow, pastor gave us some cotton candy today. Not happening. I don't want you to miss the signs and be deceived because he will cause everyone to be deceived. Signs. Signs. Everywhere there's signs. The question is, can you read them? Now let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are nothing without you. We are lost. God, I ask that you would help this message not to fall on deaf ears. That each one who receives it would recognize, Lord, that you're speaking. You're speaking through your word. Now, whether we have differences in our understanding of the last days or not, Father, help us all to be prepared. Whether Christ comes before or during or after the tribulation, as he said, Lord, I believe it's clear. I ask that you would help us to thoroughly study, to show ourselves approved, that at the coming of Christ we would be like the five virgins who were prepared, that we would have the oil of the Holy Spirit in our lamps, that they would be trimmed and burning, and that He would recognize us and not cast us aside. I pray this in His mighty and matchless name, and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right.